Do you know, there are, I've decided there are two types of people in this world. There are people who like Eurovision, and there are liars. Um, so, <laughs> if you allowed yourself to have fun last night, um, I hope you did enjoy it. We won't talk about the, uh, the way that it ended for the United Kingdom. But then we had a bit of a high last week, didn't we? Last week was the King's coronation. Uh, and we, I only caught bits of it. But as I did, I was reminded of something, and I'm so glad it didn't come back for the coronation. But do you remember about, oh, I don't know, 13, 10 years ago, it was all keep calm and carry on. Everything was keep calm and carry on. And they made it, they really, really got their money's worth out of that saying. And I'm sure some of you will have a poster somewhere, or a coaster, or a mug, or dare I say even a T-shirt with that slogan on somewhere, or some variation of that. Well, as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more facetious. I like to pick holes in things that don't make sense to me. And I wish that was because I thought it'd make the world a better place, but really, I think I'd do it because I'm just a spoil sport. <laughs> Keep calm and carry on. Okay, let me tell you why that's ridiculous. Right now, we are all calm, and we are carrying on. We don't need to be reminded of that. People just do it. If I were, say, on fire, I would not be calm. And I would not be carrying on unless someone ran out and got a fire extinguisher. Keep calm and carry on is fine as a statement if things are going well. But then it's useless because we don't need to be reminded to be calm when we're calm. Life's going well. But if life takes an unexpected turn and you find yourself on fire or in an ambulance or stuck up a tree, you are well within your rights to not be calm. It's normal to react to bad things. My talk today isn't even about staying calm and carrying on. It's just that the whole idea of following these silly rules that people post on Instagram with lovely backgrounds is unrealistic. Another one that really bugs me is, don't sweat the small stuff. Now, maybe I'm overreacting, but if I'm sat on a plane, and I'm hurtling 500 miles an hour through the air, 400,000 4, feet above the ground, you'd better believe that I'm praying my socks off that the last person to look over that plane sweat the small stuff. Every tiny nut, bolt, washer, the whole lot. The small stuff is vital, yet very often we overlook it, we miss it, we take it for granted, or we purposefully choose not to sweat it. The small stuff, the little parts of our day, are what group together to make the big stuff. How can you truly appreciate the big stuff in life if you aren't considering all the small pieces of the puzzle? In prayer, we very often thank God for our life or we thank God for our health, or we thank God for our families. But we're very quick to draw a line under that once we've said that key word. Dear Lord, thank you for my family. What does that mean? Thank you that I'm related to people. Thank you that biology exists. We need to sweat the small stuff. Thank you that I learned important life lessons uh, in my family home. Thank you that I was born into a family with siblings I consider friends. Thank you for my wife and how she puts up with my grumpiness. The small stuff is important. Recently, I was in Kenya with School Farms Africa. It was a quick trip. 
uh, just to have a look around the places that the charity helps to see how the progress is coming on and if there are any ways the money could be spent to help others, that kind of thing. One of my regrets from the four days we were there is that we didn't have much time to form relationships with people. We all got on, but every day we arrived somewhere new and the surroundings we found ourselves in, or at least I found myself in, were so alien and different from Guernsey, from Evesham, from the Cotswolds, that it took me aback. It took me a while to process where we were and our surroundings at every place we visited. So by the time we had overcome that, we were in the middle of a meeting. And by the time that meeting had ended, we only had 10 minutes or so to, to talk to the people who we were visiting. On the first day, we went to an orphanage uh, to see the hard work that the people do there and how the money raised in Guernsey has helped people. And the first thing we did when we got there is we had a very small church service in their chapel. When I got back to the hotel that night, I was thinking of home, of Guernsey, of Shiloh, and realised just how lucky we, we are. Thank you, Lord, for my church. What does that mean? If we're really going to sweat the small stuff, if we're going to boil that down into the parts we're really thankful for, we better get an understanding of all that God has done for us. Thank you, Lord, for the building we meet in. That's okay, but it's still quite vague. Thank you, Lord, for the windows in these frames that were installed to protect us from the weather when we pray. Thank you for the hands that made them. Thank you for the amount of fingerprints that build up on them throughout the week from people of all ages. Thank you for the hands that clean them. We started to sweat the small stuff there. Now, I'm not suggesting this is something we should do every single day for every single little thing in our life, because that would be exhausting. It would also take most of the day, so much of the day that you'd have very little time to do anything else. And there, are more than, there is more than one way of appreciating things. My mum, it's a good job she's not here because she would not like this next bit. My mum has become an expert over the years in reacting well to any present you give her. You could spend one pound on a bag of sweets and she'd make you feel as though you've given her the world. It's a nice feeling. You feel like you've really done something good for the world just by giving old Julie a bag of sweets. <laughs> Don't tell her I said old, Ellie. Um, I, left this school, I left school for the first time. I left twice because I don't do things by halves. I left school the first time when I was 17, uh, and I decided I didn't want to do my A-levels. Don't listen to that. I decided that actually I was going to work. Um, so I gave up my A-levels and went to work for the NHS. I worked as a healthcare assistant apprentice. I'm going to break down what that means for you. A healthcare assistant is, and I'm choosing not to look at Ellie and Vicky and anyone else here who is a nurse, but a healthcare assistant is, in my opinion, the lifeblood of a hospital. Nurses are amazing in what they do. They're well-trained, conduct minor medical procedures, they make tough decisions, and most importantly, they have to put up with doctors. But healthcare assistants are those who, in my experience, sweat the small stuff. They don't give medicine out or discharge people or take x-rays. They change sheets. They make tea. They wipe bums. They do the small, important things that keep the hospital running. So that was the healthcare assistant part. 
the NHS just added apprentice onto the end of the job title so I could start working before I was 18 and they could get away with paying me £2.50 an hour. But I remember my first shift was in mid-February. For those of you who haven't got jobs yet, you're going to really love this. Um, quite often people will ask you to work time in hand. So you work two weeks before you get paid anything. And then they say, well, it's March now, so you'll work another four weeks to get paid at the end of March. So I had to wait for six weeks before I got my first paycheck. Now, March, oh, it's a great month for my mum. Mother's Day's in March. 27th of March, it's her birthday. Have, in the past, fallen on the same day. So off I went, little 17-year-old me with my first ever paycheck to Curry's PC World, with, uh, with the idea that I was going to buy her the best gift I've ever bought her. Because finally, I could buy her something that I had... I, I had paid for myself, that I'd earned this money. My dad hadn't slipped me a tenner to run into town to buy flowers. It was all me. And then some of you will remember, so 17, 13 years ago, there was a real like, trend, fad, I don't know, of these digital photo frames. You remember those? And they were essentially just a screen behind a plastic photo frame that you plug into the wall and put 20 photos on, and they would just change throughout the day. So you didn't have to have just one photo on the wall. So I bought it. It cost, I think, about £80, which was a lot, £2.50 an hour, work it out. Um, but she was so happy when I gave it to her, and it made me, it made me feel really great. I thought, oh, I've really done something here. She really appreciates what I've done. And I was proud of myself for being able to make my mum so happy. Well, two months later, I'd quit that job. Then after a year after that, I'd finished my A-levels. Three years after that, I'd graduated university, and it was time, as it is for most people, to move back in with my parents. <laughs> and I remember when I got home, looking through some boxes under the stairs for some cable or another, when I found in the dusty depths of the cupboard under the stairs a digital photo frame, still in the box. Now, I can't blame my mum. She is terrified of technology, still is. But my first reaction wasn't, oh, bless her, she doesn't, you know, she doesn't like this. It was sadness. I felt sad. She, hadn't, she had said she'd appreciated it, she'd said it, but she hadn't appreciated it, and I know that because she hadn't used it. So when we're praying for things and we say, oh yeah, thank you for that, God knows, God knows exactly what you're actually thinking and he knows if you're not physically appreciate or actively appreciating it. You can't hide your feelings from God in a cable box under the stairs. You can say you're thankful for the small things around you, but unless you actively Practice what you pray. God knows you're not being honest. He knows you don't mean it. Humans are negative. I, I, think, I genuinely think I say this in every single one of my talks. And, and I'm starting to forget where I read it the first time. So it might not even be true. But there has been a study, I'm sure, which says that three good things need to happen in your day to offset one bad thing. Because we're inherently negative. And people don't want to be labelled as negative, I'm sure. So it's time to sweat the small stuff to find the positivity, to find the joy within. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not destroyed always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. So let's break that up into two parts, talk about what it means. 
The first is, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not destroyed. Paul is saying that there is good in every bit of bad that we experience. It might not always be easy to see. It might not be that we can see it. It might not be that we're able to fully understand it or why it's happened. But we are told to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Just because you don't understand something doesn't mean that there isn't some good in there. We are afflicted. This could be illness or having bad things happen to us or those around us with no clear cause, but not crushed. Even when bad things are happening all around you, you're still able to get up, you're still able to push through, you're still able to pray. There is good in bad. The second part, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. In GCSE English, we'd call that juxtaposition. Putting two things next to each other, side by side, to show the contrast. Some of you might mix that up with an oxymoron. Jesus' death, Jordan's laughing at the word moron. Jesus' death was an oxymoron. It was the best worst thing. It was selfish generosity. It was joyful sadness. Jesus, God in human form, died. Can you think of anything more tragic? God came to earth and we killed him. But in doing so, he died so that we can have eternal life. How amazing is that? We have to remember the bad thing that was done to Jesus so we can remember the gift he gave us. We have to be grateful for the good in the bad. Whether that good is as massive as giving a life so that we can live forever in heaven or as small as knowing uh, that if you drop a tenner on the street, someone in need might find it. Back in Kenya, we visited two schools and an orphanage. Now, I appreciate these kids might have just been told to be on their best behaviour, but the entire time we were there, every single kid was smiling. They were polite. We took some bubbles along, just, you know, cheap bubbles, and those children were so grateful that we had thought to do something for them. They understood that we came from a place of abundance, but they didn't hold jealousy or anger towards us. They all believed that they could use more, but they didn't need more. They all believed that Jesus was their saviour and that when they were in desperate need, God would provide for them. The Holy Spirit was so present in these places as a result of these children and their unwavering thankfulness to God. The orphanage that I mentioned earlier was called Pillars of Hope. And when I mentioned that the first thing we did when we got there was to have a service in their chapel... I think I may have set your expectations a little higher than I should have. This chapel was a frame of wood, not neat planks of four by four, but logs from small trees that had been stripped of bark. The walls were not brick or plaster, but corrugated iron, and not big panels, but scrap. Each piece was a different size, four foot, three foot, um, and they were nailed together. The floor inside was the same as the floor outside. Every single child in that room was more grateful for that building than I, and maybe some of you, have ever been for this building. And I'm not here to tell you off. 
I'm not here to make you all feel bad. Us being where we are and getting to where we are is all part of God's plan. I don't believe that we should be made to feel bad for things that are outside of our control. What we can do, however, is stop every now and then and sweat the small stuff. The things we just take for granted day by day, the buses, the water, the scenery, the buildings, the weather, the people, the technology, the clothes, the animals, all of it. Just stop to think about each tiny piece of God's puzzle that goes towards this amazing creation of his and be thankful. Now, unless I've missed a page or two, it's just a very short talk today. Um, So I'm going to give everyone in a minute or two um, a chance to respond before the the band come up because I want them to have a chance to. And I want you to either just sit in silence um, or you can go in pairs or groups, I don't mind. Uh, And I want you to think of one thing in your life that you're grateful for. But I want you to sort of do like a, a Google Earth Zoom Okay, so think of it from afar. Think of it as if you're in space, of this one thing you're thankful for. It could be a person. It could be uh, an event that's happening in your life. It could be um, anything. And I want you to just zoom in and find one thing each time you get closer until you're thankful for the very tiny bits that make up that thing. And we're going to do that just for about two minutes. We'll listen to some music whilst we're doing it. And then I'm going to give you all a chance to respond if you'd like to. The enabling team are going to come up and they're going to help people out. Now, the enabling team, I've uh, prepped Simon because if you go up to the enabling team, there's an extra challenge in there today. If you've got something that's negative that you need to pray about, please go and do it. It's very valuable. But I want you to try and find some light in that darkness whilst you're there. I want you to try and think of one thing, no matter how small, one grain of happiness that could be found somewhere within that sphere of darkness.